Well, good morning. It was uh, good to uh, be at uh, Camp Oshkodi this last week. Our family, or most of our family was up there, and I had the privilege of, of speaking there, and so it was a good week of ministry in that setting, and, uh, but it's uh, good to be back and uh, here this morning. We just got back uh, yesterday. Uh, I have uh, today the privilege of uh, doing something I've never done before. Uh, you'll notice something different up here today, right? <laughs> Um, I, get a, I get to preach a sermon with my daughter, and this is uh, my daughter Jody. Uh, she's had a couple of different roles uh, in the church over the last pu- couple of years in the summertime. Uh, fun camps, uh, last couple of summers, and then this year uh, doing that, but also having an expanded role of, of doing an internship uh, here in the church from her uh, degree at Columbia Bible College in Abbotsford. And so it's been a, a great privilege and lots of fun to be able to connect with her and work together uh, in a couple of, of different ways, including preparing this sermon. Uh, a couple things about uh, Jody. Uh, one thing I'll say is that if you know her at all, and those of you who are parents of kids at fun camps, you know that she loves, loves kids. And uh, one of the hardest things for Jody, as she says, is our safe church policy, because she wants to kiss and hug the kids and take them all home with her. And she's not allowed to do that, so because they're so cute. Um, Some of the ways that we're the same, Uh, we both love coffee, we both love trying new foods, we'll eat almost anything, Uh, we both drive Ford Ranger trucks that are five speeds, Uh, we both love reading, Uh, we both love teaching the Bible, and also we love to learn, both love sports. But then there's also lots of ways that we're different, and I'll I'll mention one. Jody's really organized, and she loves to work ahead. (laughs) I've been known to procrastinate once in a while. Yes, that that's right? right. Yeah, and this message was an exact, is a perfect example of our differences. We've known about this state and us preaching together all summer. And so in preparation, I've worked weeks ahead and had started this weeks ago. And together, we worked on the bulk of our message last night at 8 o'clock. <laughs> and that was when we finally got together and did uh, a large portion of our work together on it. So... Yes, I knew this ahead of time, and so that's why I'd worked extra ahead to get some started on this. But I'd like to speak, too, to my opportunities here at Forest Grove, and just want to say, being here the last couple of summers have been so impactful and transformational, and just getting to work with the staff here has been such a blessing. There's um, some pictures on the slide. There's one of us at our, this is us at our staff, heading to the staff retreat last year, And I've loved being able to join the staff retreats and just get the staff all together and uh, just to be a part of that. So that was really fun. And then the next one is a picture of Maureen and I. This is my first summer uh, two or three years ago working in fun camps. And so I've had the privilege of working really closely with Maureen and just learned so much from her and have been so thankful to have that opportunity. And this summer I had the added bonus of working with Kevin. And Kevin was my supervisor for my internship and that was awesome, and I had a chance to expand beyond fun camps and beyond children's ministries, and so that was a huge blessing as well, working with Kevin. And yeah, so just want to say that, yeah, it's been so amazing seeing the healthy and unified staff that we have here at Forest Grove, and uh, just total confidence in the leadership here. So it's been really helpful and impactful as I'm discerning my call into vocational ministry, just to be able to work with these individuals. She had to say that because she's um, her dad, you know. (laughs) In the month of August, uh, we're not on a particular uh, series specifically, but just some standalone messages. And I asked Jody to take the lead on uh, today, uh, partly because I knew she'd work ahead 
Um, and uh, also to, that just I would play a supporting role, and that's what I want to do here. Uh, so Jody chose the text and also the direction of our message, and we want to talk today about faith uh, from Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. And the title of our message today is Living Faith at All Stages of Life. And that is intentionally a, a bit of a play on words, as the word living is both an adjective and a verb. As we want to have a faith that is alive and real, but we also want to live our faith in every stage of our lives, wherever we are at. And so today we want to try to do that and touch on this topic of faith and what faith looks like at some different stages of life, starting with the generations that we represent as a 21-year-old and as a 51-year-old. And so to start by looking at faith, we're going to look at the best definition of faith that we know and that we have in Hebrews 11 verse 1. And this is the NLT. It says, faith, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Some other defi- or translations, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. And Google had a definition for faith, and it defined it as complete trust or confidence in someone or something But still, the best definition is found in Hebrews 11, verse 1. The stage of life after high school is a time of decision-making and unknowns. It's really unnerving, and there's lots of doubts and challenges that come with that stage of life. And you're making decisions that can impact the direction of your life and where you're going. As I was making decisions at the end of high school, this was three years ago, I felt called to Columbia Bible College in Abbotsford. And in the midst, this was in the midst of other schools and other options. This is where I felt called. And Hebrews 11 has a number of by faith statements where it writes by faith and then it gives a statement of their faith. And here's my own statement that I wrote up. By faith, Jody goes to Bible school to pursue ministry in hopes of aligning with God's call in her life. But with this one known came so many unknowns. Would I complete my degree there? Would I stay in Abbotsford? Where would I be located? Would I work in a church later or another ministry? Being a woman in leadership and the challenges that that may or may not have. So many unknowns. Every step of faith results in further actions of faith because of the unknowns that are there. I remember well, actually, the stage of life that Jody was just describing. Uh, I too remember the unknowns after high school. I mean, there was times of work, times of travel, times of study, uh, lots of fun. There was lots of unknowns as well, lots of decisions to make. Uh, I remember lots of even hidden fears of what lies ahead and what is the future, what does the future hold? And I'm uh, 30 years older than her, but it seems like just yesterday even that I was at Columbia Bible College myself, even as a student. Before you go on, I have a interruption. (laughs) There have been so many times where you've been up here and you've told stories of embarrassing moments of your kids' lives, including my own, and I want to take this opportunity to share an embarrassing story or picture of you. And since you're talking about your stage of life at CBC, at Columbia, my age, same age, 21, I have a picture. So this is a picture of Dad when he was my age. This is him at 21. In his first year at CBC, apparently he was the dude, so Pastor Bruce or dude, I guess we'll do now. And uh, this is his wisdom. You may be on the right track, but if you just sit there, you'll be run over. That was his quote. That was very nice. 
And then I've got one more. This is my favorite. This next one is the men's volleyball team. <laughs> and I'm on the volleyball team at Columbia now, and we don't have any grease lightning photo shoots like this, but I thought that was <laughs> hilarious. And I wouldn't have believed he was even on the volleyball team if I didn't see picture proof of it. So that's him, the dude again. Someone, these are from his yearbooks. Courtney and I scoured his books for hours and found all these gems. So that was some comments yeah. that people wrote. But yeah, this will just help you picture him at my age. So you can carry on. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> When you tell stories about your kids, it's, it's okay to have payback time once okay. in a while. <laughs> that's why you burn your yearbooks. Yeah. <laughs> But one of my best definitions of faith actually did come from this era of my life. And it was an experience that I've shared here before, but it was you know, going on a high ropes challenge course. And some of you have done those courses where you get harnessed in and you're buckled in and you're up in some treetops. And uh, we were in the Pacific Northwest and we were on this one challenge course called the Multivine and you're standing on a thin cable about 40 feet above the ground and you're harnessed in to a Uh, and you uh, have a belay person below you, and it's relatively safe, or at least so it seems. But I remember standing at the top of this. You're 40 feet off the ground, and you're standing there, and you're holding onto this massive tree here. And the vine that you have to grab onto, or the little rope that is out there, is, is just out of your reach. And you have to actually let go of this tree before you can grab onto that rope. And for me, even just that remembering the adrenaline rush, remembering the fear, remembering what it takes to actually let go of this tree uh, and, and to, to step out and to grab onto this and trusting that which is holding you um, is, for me, has always been an image of faith that has been probably one of the most significant for me, is that we have to let go of those things that are comfortable. We have to let go of those things that are secure in order to strain ahead and to move forward to what God has in store for us. And so that, for me, is a best definition of faith as well, too. Now Jody's going to read verses 1 to 3 in Hebrews 11 and lead us into the text. Hebrews 11, verse 1 to 3 says, Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. Now, when we talk about the unseen, just to give it reference, it can be something in the spiritual realm or something that lies in the future and that just hasn't happened yet. And I just want to talk about how in today's society, we all put our faith in something. Everyone puts their faith in something. And today, there's a fascination with superheroes and their ability just to come in and swoop and save us. In the last five years, there's 35 movies made about superheroes, and there's many more before that, but that was just in the recent five years. These superheroes are a ray of hope in the midst of tragedies and crisis. A fun fact, Superman was created in 1938, right before World War II, and there's lots of comics. There's a picture here. Comics of Superman uh, on the side of the Allies and uh, fighting the Nazis, and that was a sense of hope and of, in their current tragedies. And currently... There's still a modern fascination with superheroes, and in TV shows and movies, you'll see them everywhere. Instead, putting our faith in someone who formed the universe at a simple command makes way more sense than putting our faith in superheroes. Reading from Psalm 
33, verse 6. It says, The Lord merely spoke, and the heavens were created. He breathed the word, and all the stars were born. He assigned the sea its boundaries and locked the oceans in vast reservoirs. Let the world fear the Lord, and let everyone stand in awe of him. For when he spoke, the world began. It appeared at his command. First, or this Psalm 33 just reaffirms Hebrews 3 when it says, By faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command by his breathing and the stars coming into being. That what, we, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. It makes way more sense to put our faith in a God that can breathe the stars into being than in superheroes or characters of unnatural strength. Maybe you are someone today who is putting your faith in something other than God, something else, something material. Are you struggling to put your faith in God? Google talks about it being a complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Faith always has an object. There's always something that we're putting our faith in. And why wouldn't we put our faith in God? Why wouldn't we make God the object of our faith? If you're somebody who has grown up in the church, you will know Hebrews 11 fairly well. If you're somebody who hasn't grown up in the church, I would encourage you to become familiar with Hebrews 11, as it's a text that speaks about faith. Uh, it tells incredible stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things, but it also tells stories of people who uh, left this world very disappointed, where things did not work out the way that they had hoped. In fact, if you read to the end of Hebrews chapter 11, you'll see uh, people who had some very brutal things happen to them. But they still lived lives of faith, even though they did not see what all that God had in store for them. In our, uh, as a church, we have a number of core values that anchor us. And our first core value is this value of faith. And I want to read just a paragraph from how we have described it uh, in different places uh, as a church. And it says faith this way. Our creator God is the object of our faith. It is all about him as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Faith has both an object and also a response. In other words, how we live because of who he is. We need to know God and trust him with every aspect of our lives. Without that, we will live with timid response and thin evidence of true faith. We live out our mission in the awareness of who God is and his invitation to live faithful lives as articulated throughout the pages of Scripture. And as you, re- as you read the accounts in, in Hebrews 11 and you start to read the stories and the different names and the people that are there, you see these people who experienced all kinds of different things but lived a life of faith. Stories of Abel, stories of Enoch, stories of Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Moses, and so many others. Again, people who are ordinary, regular people like you and me, but who are called by God to do unique and extraordinary things and did so even though oftentimes lived with a lot of disappointment, a lot of years of gap where things didn't seem to be happening, a lot of times of of waiting on the Lord, but also where we see incredible stories of faith that came out of their lives, at least eventually. But also it leads us to a problem sometimes when we read Hebrews 11, especially the first parts of it, is the problem is this, is that we're not them. We think, oh, well, we're not them. We don't live those extraordinary lives. We don't maybe see the things that they see. We don't experience God in quite the same way that they experience God, or at least so we think. And we might think that our lives are too ordinary. We might think that our lives are just too simple. Um, How do we live lives of living faith in the everydayness of life? When things are just sort of plodding along. 
We might even hear stories of extravagant faith today of people around the world as we hear people giving reports from other countries where there is great persecution and things are happening in, in different parts of the world where people are, are challenged and called upon to live out a faith that is very different than the experiences that we have. And we think, well, what does a life of faith look like for me? My life is just too boring, too simple, too ordinary in some way. Or maybe it's because in the West we, we look for things that are seen, the tangible things, and it's harder for us to see the coming kingdom, or at least we think, than other places around the world. But here's what I want you to know. Here's what I want every person here to know, that you can live a life of faith, a simple life, an extraordinary life. Call it whatever you want. It's not what we do that makes it an extraordinary life of faith. It's the one that we place our faith in. So regardless of what it is that you go through in life or how extraordinary or simple you think your life is, what makes it incredible is not you and me and not how we live in response so much as the one in whom we put our trust. And as we get to know this living Father, and he gives us the gift of faith as we seek him. In verse 6 of Hebrews 11, it says it this way. It says, And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. And my prayer is that we would seek him in that way. The original audience of Hebrews, the author was speaking to a congregation that were having a hard time to step out in faith. They were a suffering people and... They needed a source of encouragement. They needed someone to spur on their faith and to tell them to live out in faith. For them, it was easier to slip away, easier to just drift away and not believe. This message should be an encouragement for us as well, an encouragement to step out and be bold in our faith. We need to have a living faith, as seen in the title. Not a stagnant faith, but an active faith, a living faith that draws attention to the gospel. A faith that draws attention to this good news that we have. This amazing sacrificial message of this act of Jesus, his love for us, dying for us, that we may ask for forgiveness, have that relationship with him. The act of love that transforms our lives. We need to have a faith that draws attention to that. There's a term that we are taught at Columbia Bible College, the school I'm going to in Abbotsford, uh, by the prof, Ken Esau. He talks about the term, wow, weird. He's teaching Old Testament And he talks about the Israelites and how God asked them to be wow weird. They're supposed to act different against their cultural background. They're supposed to act in a way that made people think, wow, that's weird. And it draws attention to what they were doing. So just picture that phrase. It's a time, at times our faith requires us to be wow weird. We need to live a way that stands out against our cultural background. One commentator writes, If all I am and have and do differs little from my unbelieving neighbor, then I've embraced his world and his values. And fool myself by saying I'm living for another world and kingdom values. The author of Hebrews was calling the people to be wow weird. The author of Hebrews is calling us to live out this wow weird faith, to live boldly in the midst of the unknown to live boldly against our cultural settings, against our backdrop, against what's normal for us, to live wow weird in our faith that draws attention to the gospel. I want to read verse 11 to 12 from this uh, text, Hebrews 11, uh, today. 
Uh, It was by faith, in verse 8, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and to go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise, and so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead. A nation with so many people that, like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them. And so here in this text, if, again, if you are familiar with it, it's this well-known story of Abraham and Sarah of 100 years old and 90, year old, 90 years old, respectively. And it says that, that Abraham was as good as dead. I like that <laughs> phrase. I mean, it means that he was beyond those years that you would expect something like this to happen. It means that there had to be something that God was going to do to intervene to make this happen because there was no way in a human form that this could actually happen. From all human perspectives, having children, uh, let alone having so many descendants that they were as the, like the stars in the sky or the sand in the seashore and too many to count, I mean, was impossible. It was a huge problem. And yet they were called to, and they did, live in response to this call of God and live out, lived out of faith that God could provide, that God could do what, humanly speaking, was not possible. Because, you see, here's the thing about faith. We will never have faith when all we focus on is the problem. We'll never have faith when all we focus on is what it is that's exactly in front of us, the obstacles that are placed in front of us. And yet our our human tendency is to focus exactly there. In fact, I think the enemy loves to do that, to draw us back to the obstacles, to draw us back to our own limitations, to draw us back to the things that are going to defeat us, or at least can defeat us. We see the bills piling up. We see the doctor's report that isn't good. We see the lost job, the broken relationships. Whatever it is that the obstacles are that are placed in front of us, those are the things that sort of come to the forefront. Those are the things that kind of hold our attention at times. And yet God continually calls us to look up. In a recent email just over a week ago that I I sent out to the congregation, and hopefully you received that, I talked about leading hikes in that email. And when you lead hikes, you need to sometimes remind those who are hiking to look up. Because oftentimes when you're carrying a pack and you're heavy and you're weighted down and and you're tired, uh, you forget that you actually have some beautiful scenery around you and that you actually have to look up to see the bigger picture, the surroundings, the beauty, and that there's there's so much more that's going on than just the mud and the roots and the sore knees and the blisters and the aching back that you have. You need to stop and look up. And that's what faith is. That's what God calls us to, is when all we see is the obstacles, it's this invitation by God to look up, to see Him, to see the one who is worthy of our faith, to see the one who can take away the obstacles or at least give us the strength to walk in the midst of them. And so God continues to call us to look up. The focus needs to be on the object of our faith, on God Himself. Carrying on, reading at verse 13. In Hebrews 11, all these, all these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised 
but they saw it from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Looking at that uh, idea of foreigners and nomads, in 1 Peter 2, 9-11, to it says this, But you are not like that. For you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people. Now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy. Now you have received God's mercy. Dear friends, I warn you, as temporary residents and foreigners, keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. We are called to live here on earth, but as foreigners and as nomads, not calling this world our own, but looking onward, looking forward to a heavenly homeland. To live apart from this world is to be living while weird, to be living different from the cultural customs and norms of this world, to be set apart and to be living for the future to a heavenly homeland. Are we living different from this world, if you ask yourself that? Or are we just putting our faith in some kind of worldly superheroes? How do we actually do this? How do we actually live different from our world? It's so easy just to fall into form. What does it look like to live wow weird in our current settings? We are called to have a living faith at all stages of life. And here are some examples of how to live in faith at each stage of life. I had the opportunity with Pastor Maureen to speak at Redbury a couple weeks ago. And there was a little boy, really young, seven or eight years old, and his name was Ethan. And he had incredible faith. We told a story in chapel about Jesus calming the storms in our lives and how Jesus, all he had to do was say, be still. And Jesus calmed the storm. And so the next night, we hear back from his leader, but it was storming, and Ethan was scared. And he didn't like storms. And so he went up to the window, and he said, Be still, this little eight-year-old. And the storm actually stopped. The rain stopped because he had faith in a God that was bigger than his problem. He looked beyond the problem, the rain, the storm that was right in front of him, and he truly believed that God could calm that storm, and he did. As Jody and I were just kind of brainstorming and thinking about, so what are different examples of different stages of life? How does that look like? Uh, sometimes God does these things, and I think God blesses a little child like that and just gives them a response to just see the power of prayer and of trusting in Him. But God calls us to just step out in obedience, regardless of what the outcome is, regardless of what the response is going to be. And uh, I was thinking of, of young adults uh, today as I was thinking about another generation or stage of life. And I think of young adults who live a bold faith, and I am so thankful for. Uh, young adults in our church, we just have so many who are living out of their faith, and, and many of which are leading their parents and grandparents in lives of faith. And I just praise God for that. Young adults who uh, live in quick obedience to God, who have a desire to seek God through His Spirit and live in response to Him and be quick to obey. Uh, young adults who go on uh, and serve on a summer camp and give up uh, income for an entire summer or for months, not exactly sure how they're going to pay for things in the fall. 
but just trusting that God wants them to serve and disciple young children, maybe at a place of camp, to disciple kids. Or maybe going to a Bible school for a year to ground their faith and to really get to know this God and the one whom they put their trust and their faith. When the world thinks only in terms of, well, what kind of job are you going to get when you come out of there? And yet to just trust God and say, you know what, I'm not exactly sure what this will produce, but I'm going to put money and time and energy towards something of introducing me to this living God that I might learn what it means to live in faith. And so I praise God that we have young adults who live in that kind of faith and so many more examples all around us. I think of another example of faith. I think of young or middle-aged families. Working with kids, you interact with a lot of parents and adults and families. And I think of the amount of expenses that they have and the way that they still give sacrificially, the way that they still give of their finances and they give generously despite all of their many uh, things and expenses and the way that they live countercultural. The world tells us to hold our money close and to store up our treasures here on earth and to make the most of what you have now and these families live with their hands open and they give sacrificially, trusting that God, having faith that God will bless the church, bless those other individuals that are living in faith and the ways that this money will serve. It is an act of being, wow, weird in their faith that these families give of their resources so willingly. I think of seniors and people who are living faith in all kinds of ways that some of us who are younger can't imagine. And and even just this morning, I was talking to a couple of seniors and we were talking about, you know, even when people ask you, well, how are you doing? It's sort of like, okay, how do you respond? Which story do you want? Each of which are true, right? And we were talking a little bit about how even when you are going through things in life that are hard and difficult and painful, even to respond and say, you know what, I'm good, is a statement of faith. Because to be good, even when things aren't really good, is not being fake. It's actually trusting God and saying, you know what, I am good. By the grace of God, I am good. And they are living lives like that. Uh, Seniors who face the challenges of aging like losing a life partner, like failing health, like loss of freedoms, like driving or mobility, and at some point facing the shadow of death, and yet facing it with confidence and faith because of the object of their faith. They are continuing looking up. Right now, I'm currently living out my first big step of faith going to school three years ago, and now still there, I am set to complete my degree in 2018. And these past years have just been step after step of continual obedience and just trusting what God has in store for me in regards to ministry. This past year, I felt reaffirmed by the Holy Spirit, and I felt a source of encouragement as I had words prophesied over me, and just feeling God's specific words saying that I have a heart for the prairies and for the local church. And just the encouragement that I've had this past year. And there was a verse um, that was shared with me in Isaiah. And it says, but forget, this is Isaiah 43. It said, but forget all of that. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do for you. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I'll make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. And this is just a verse that was given to me as a source of encouragement, and it just fit in right with what God was placing on my heart at that time. And right now, I 
I'm just living in faith, and I've felt affirmed in my future and where God is leading me, but I don't know what's next. And this next step of faith, as I graduate in the next couple of years, I don't know what is beyond graduation, where God will have me, where God will lead me. But that is my next big step of faith coming up, and just trusting that God has more in store for me than I could even think or imagine. Because we're so limited by what we can imagine, but I trust that God has something bigger in store for me. The call to living faith at all stages of life continues and is there for each one of us, and I too can testify to that as well. I remember as a 33-year-old with a young family needing to trust in God as I felt the need to leave a familiar work that I loved when I was working at CBC at Columbia Bible College at that time, to go to an unknown land and future. At that time it was called Calgary, a scary place. Um, But after two years there of this difficult and even dark time uh, of feeling this call to pastoral ministry, and uh, it was in many ways exciting and it helped this clarification, but it's still just, as Jody mentioned, it left all kinds of unknowns and all kinds of questions still. One step of faith and even clarity leads to many more questions and many more unknowns requiring more faith. And so the call to faith never ends. It's just a continual invitation by God to trust to trust for the next step, to trust for the next phase, to trust for the next season, whatever that looks like. And so for me, even now in the present, uh, whether it's questions surrounding our third sight, and as we discern that together as a church and all the unknowns that are there in that, it requires faith. Uh, For me personally as well, I mentioned that in the the letter and email that I sent out about taking on more responsibilities in the Canadian conference. It's a volunteer position, Uh, It's one that I'm just sort of adding to my other responsibilities, and so I ask questions like, okay, how do I have time for that? What will be required of me? Am I going to be able to do that? What will that look like? What What will the challenges be? Faith continues to be required for every one of us. You're living in faith right now. You need to recognize where God is maybe inviting you or calling you to take an increased step of faith, maybe. And again, just that idea that it is letting go of the one thing, letting go of that which is comfortable and familiar and secure and trusting God for this future of what is unknown, but it is a future that is in the hands of the one who knows the future and the one that we can trust in. Trusting an unknown future to the certainty of a God who is the star breather. I love that in Psalm 33, that text that Jody read. And when we look at the author of of all living things, the author of all creation, of this incredible story that we get to live, that we can trust in him, that he is the one that we can look to, rather than all the obstacles and the problems that might be in the path, that God is inviting us to look up. So you need to know today, wherever you find yourself, whatever stage of life you find yourself in, that God is able, that God is good, and that God is faithful. And we can place our trust and our faith in him. Would you stand with us as uh, Jody's just going to lead us as we pray together? Mm-hmm. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for being the object of our faith. Thank you so much for being our creator and just that fact that we know we can trust in you in every stage of life that we're at. I thank you for the children. I just pray, God, that in the midst of the obstacles and the things they're facing, And sometimes it's way beyond what a child should be experiencing or facing. Lord, would you give them faith and help them to trust in you? 
God, I pray for the young adults who are struggling and don't know what's next or where you'll have them or what job or future you have in store for them. God, give them a faith that is bigger than their obstacles. Give them a faith that points to you and acknowledges you. And God, for the young families and for as they're raising kids and uh, discerning parenting and just working through life, Lord, would you give them a faith? And God, for the seniors and for all the different generations, Lord, for the seniors and facing aging and retirement and loneliness and growing families and the joys that come in that stage of life as well. And Lord, would you give them a faith that points to you and would you help them to just see you in the midst of all their obstacles and that they would know that you have so much in store for them, so much beyond what they can think or imagine. God, would you give us a faith where you are the object of that faith, Lord, and that we know we can trust in you. In your name, amen. Amen.